You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Peace be upon you and welcome to the Drive Time Show. As you know, um, we at the Drive Time Show, we start at 4pm till 6pm and uh, the Voice of Islam is broadcasted live 24-7 uh, and if you want to um, look and listen to our previous shows, you can go back to voiceofislam.co.uk and uh, you can also get in contact if you have any questions or if you want to get involved, you can um, call us at 020-8687-7878 and also tweet us at voiceofislamuk. For the two-hour show that we will we usually do uh, from four till six, um, we usually split our two hours in two different segments, two different topics. Um, and for today, we have chosen very interesting two topics. For the first hour, from four till five p.m., we have chosen the topic of justice, the justice that um, is the key to peace. So we will be discussing about this, um, about this very, very important topic. And we will also be listening to our, um, um, one of our presenters who have, you know, conducted a, um, a show and, and um, asked uh, some experts on, on regards to this as well. Uh, Talib Man, um, he had a conversation with Asma Abu Mazid, who is the Oxfam's Women's Economic Justice Advisor. So we'll be listening to that as well in our show. Also, we will be listening to His Holiness, a keynote address delivered by Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, our current caliph at the Parliament Hill in Ottawa, Canada. And also to another um, audio we will be listening, uh, which is also um, uh, delivered by His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, on March the 17th, 2018. And in the second hour, uh, we have slightly a different topic, which is um, less to do with, with justice. Um, it has to do with more our health. Um, um, and uh, the topic for the second hour is diet. So um, why some of the diets not might be working for us and what is the perfect diet um, for uh, us to follow and what is the perfect diet for us to follow, especially during uh, the summertime. Because, as you know, uh, whenever the summer comes, everyone wants to get in shape, especially um, your fat get reduced, um, as in you, you have less fat during the, the summer times. And in winter, you naturally your body observes more fat and that's because you know because of uh we fight the the, the cold weather so it's easier uh let's say to um, a diet or to follow a diet during the uh the, the summer times and especially it's easier to go out as well there's less rain there is less snow uh, and um you know you have lesser challenges 
Of course. But this is something that we will be uh, discussing in the second hour. Of course, we will be speaking to uh, two experts in regards to the second hour topic on diet. Um, the first guest for the second hour would be Sarah Ko, who's a nutrition scientist, British Nutrition Foundation, from the British Nutrition Foundation. And also we will be um, discussing um, to Nathan Barnes, who is a online physique coach and a personal trainer. So definitely uh, experts in, in the in, in this field. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about justice. Let's uh, you know uh, talk about how we can you know um, uh, achieve peace in this world. And of course, without justice. It is impossible to um, achieve peace in the world. Now, you know that recently many organizations have spoken up about injustices taking place in the society. Although we are living in the modern society, unfortunately, there are still many injustices that take place in the world. And there are injustices against the poor, against minorities, and injustices involving war. The Holy Quran states at various places regarding the principle of justice that all ye who believe be strict in observing justice and be witnesses for Allah even though it, it be against yourselves or against the parents and kindred whether he be rich or poor. Allah is more regardful of them both than you are. Therefore follow not low desires so that you may be able to act equitably. And if you conceal the truth or evade it, then remember that Allah is well aware of what you do. From this we learn that whatever you do in this world, right, it has to be just. Even if you have to speak or take action against yourself or against your own will to, um, you know, to apply justice, then you have to do so. And then remember that Allah is well aware of what you do because at the end of the day, when we return to Allah as believers, as Muslims, we believe that we will be responsible of the actions that we do. We as a society, we need to speak up for injustices that occur. As, the, as uh, Dr. Martin Luther King said, that the ultimate tragedy, tragedy, is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but the silence of that by the good people. It is so important to raise awareness and understand the injustices that occur. Of course, we know that we have many good people, but the silence is what you know prevent us from um, uh, achieving the justice in the world. So. Uh, uh, there is a very, very famous hadith of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He says, uh, and this is for the believers and pretty much for everyone, right, who is aware of injustices that happen. And he says that if you see any injustice or anyone doing anything bad, something that could harm uh, the society, something that um, could, um, you know, affect others, uh, in, in a negative way and he said that if you see so then try to stop it by your hand physically try to you know change it if that is not possible 
you know, then then uh, at least speak up against it, right? Uh, uh, go and stop him by speaking and uh, and tell him that look, this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this, and stop immediately. Don't do this. And the third type of you know help that you can provide in order to establish ju- justice is by just praying or just by wishing in your heart that oh God, um, please take away this problem from that certain person or that injustice and the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah upon him explained that this is the weakest type of Iman or the weakest type of faith so the strongest faith is that you try to change something physically if you see injustices happening now we see that during the current affairs you know we see we, we saw that the wars have been happening uh, the coronavirus has pushed the world towards more instability and global unrest. And countries are not only attacking one another, but are fighting amongst each other. The USA is divided, as is the UK, especially since the regi- uh, reg- um, res- uh, resi- uh, resignation of the Prime Minister. And there is discord in France, and just recently the Sri Lankan president ran away from his country, as the economy has virtually collapsed. Apart from this, the media is filled with images of families, children and countries destroyed because of war. The importance of mankind to come together in unity is bigger than ever, especially with the current global state. And the lack of an effective arms control agreement is resulting in the continuation of an arms race that could lead to the use of nuclear weapons. This threat, along with the weakening of political communication, consequently means that the risk of, of a nuclear strike is higher than ever, excluding the Cold War. Now, the nuclear weapons are immensely dangerous, as can be seen from the, the, the previous use. Um, you know, you know uh, it's been used in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. You see how devastating this is. And, and uh, with the time uh, have passed, we've seen that more powerful nuclear weapons have been built. And if they are being used, they could be very, very severe. And the likelihood of the survival is extremely, extremely low wherever it has been, you know, it, it, the nuclear weapon has been used. And the immediate death rate is, you know, estimated to be over 90%. So pretty much everyone will die because of the nuclear weapon. And this is just the short-term effect. Now, nuclear war does not just take lives, but it has lasting effects on those who survived and the future generations. Radiation from the weapon can cause generations of birth defects, Therefore, the effects are fatal, both in the short term and in the long term. And we will be discussing about this more in detail and the injustices and the war that is happening across the world, across the globe. We will be discussing about that uh, um, uh, after that we will be listening. Um, so before that, we will be listening to Talib Man's interview and a conversation that he had with Asma Abu Mazid, uh, who is Oxford's Women's Economic Justice Advisor based in Gaza, working addresses address issues of gender, development and climate change in Palestinian economic sectors. And Hala Shoman, who herself has experienced the Gaza blockade, blockade 
and has a master's degree from Durham University and currently studying for PhD. Let's listen to this audio. Assalamualaikum, peace and blessings to all of us, uh, to all you out there, the listeners. Uh, welcome to the Drive Time Show. Now, today I'm joined by Hola Shaman. Her parents are Palestinian refugees and she herself has experienced the blockade as well as taken part in the Great March of Return. She has a master's degree from Durham University and currently is studying for a PhD. We're also joined by Asma Abumez, uh, who is uh, Oxfam's Women's Economic Justice Advisor. Uh, she's based in Gaza, working to address issues of gender, development and climate change in the Palestinian economic sectors. So ladies, assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining us on the show today. So I'm going to start with uh, Hala first. Uh, sorry, uh, yes, Hala first. Now, this month marks the 15th anniversary of the Gaza blockade. Can you tell us about your own personal experience of this? Um, yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, actually, my experience with that blockade and its uh, restrictions, movement restrictions, started even before the official mm-hmm. recognition of the blockade itself. In 2005, uh, when I was 12, my family decided to go from Saudi Arabia, which we lived in for about 29 years, uh, and went to Gaza to attend my uh, my cousin's wedding. We were so happy about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that year, after attending the wedding, the Israel side decided to dismantle their legal settlements. And immediately after they announced that, they have closed all the borders and the access to Gaza and out of Gaza. So we were stuck there. And in 2007, you know, the blockade started. So we were not able to go back uh, to Saudi Arabia for our education, employment, and uh, other stuff. Uh, no, so, yeah. so basically, when the Israel, uh, Israeli authorities said they were going to have the blockade, they literally put down, literally shutters, and you weren't able to get back to, uh, back across over. Uh, no, at all. And my parents lost their job opportunities. We were not able to have our certificates on time or late on schools and everything else. And uh, my family had to face unemployment in Gaza because also the blockade uh, reduced the number of uh, jobs opportunities in Gaza Strip. And then um, there was the electricity issue where so many months uh, passed without any electricity. The water mm-hmm. was unclean. I moved from um, a school where our class had seven to to ten as maximum students to a class that have 40 to 50 students. Wow. Yeah. And um, you can imagine after that, uh, four aggressions that happened in Gaza and uh, the atrocities that we faced with all the escalations and the Great March of Return. Because I suppose uh, at the time, you know, this is obviously all new to you experiencing something that you don't really you know, expect and to actually be stopped crossing the border uh, and then having all, well, all but all your economic opportunities removed from you, uh, let alone your academic opportunities. Mm-hmm. It must have been you know, quite frightening, to say the least. Uh, it is too much. And it wasn't just in my childhood. I, I faced that all over my life after that. Mm-hmm. Even in 2017, I was deprived from my first PhD scholarship in Turkey because mm-hmm. I wasn't able to access Gaza outside um, at all. At that year, it only opened for about uh, 28 um, days. Mm-hmm. And those on like the highest emergency level were only allowed to, to cross. And okay. I lost the scholarship. And this is like the least thing that happened because so many mm-hmm. people actually lost their lives trying to reach uh, yeah, you know, uh, some kind of uh, treatment, emergency treatment. 
Mm -hmm. So it's just to put things in, in into perspective. Um, to Asma, you know, you're you're actually based in Gaza currently. Now, what are the challenges that the actual blockade brings the community and yourself whilst having to, you know, having to work over there? I think one thing I want to highlight is when people think about the blockade or the siege, they really think about like physical barriers, mm -hmm. and uh, and it is part of the physical barriers, but the the. The Israeli occupation has managed to systematically um, have these um, siege and blockade like throughout decades of times that it's it's you see it in everyday life. So like I'll give a very clear example with the electricity cut um, and you have an electricity schedule. So you have like either six hours a day or like eight hours a day, sometimes in the morning, in the afternoon. Now, people have normalized the way in which they navigate the electricity problems. So like mm -hmm. like mothers know or women know that well, if I want to make bread, then I'll have to walk up maybe in the middle of the night because that's the time where I have electricity and I can do uh, uh, the bread and bake it and do it that. Um, and that's the mental load that people have to navigate it. And we've seen with the corona and the COVID how mm -hmm. there has been so much shift into technology. And in a place like Gaza, that shift into technology, it means that we are leaving so much uh, generations behind because they cannot access the same technology and electricity that anyone in, uh, in other parts of the world can access. Now, mm -hmm. when you think about the blockade and how communities are, uh, are witnessing it, you are thinking about um, people uh, in their 30s who have might have never worked in their life. And that's not because they are not seeking job opportunities. On the contrary, they have tried so many uh, times, but yet the consecutive uh, aggressions on Gaza and the blockade has completely destroyed the economic infrastructure that enables them to have a, a job opportunity. But another way of looking at the blockade is how it depleted people financial and social capital in the sense like 20 years back when one family did not have food in their plates you will find many families jumping and like you know supporting mm -hmm. them but now the families have completely depleted their resources like they are no longer when you are talking about public employees receiving 40 percent of their salaries to 60 percent when you are talking about like economic sanctions on uh, on palestinians in gaza it means that families can no longer provide for themselves not to mention like supporting other families um and if you look at it, there isn't any person in Gaza who has not been affected in one way or another by the blockade. The children, the amount of trauma that they have grow up in. Um, like I know like my nephews uh, who are aged, uh, they're gonna be 12 years old. Um, they witnessed the three aggression in 12 um, in their lifetime and like even now when they think about anything and Hala and I were discussing like when we hear the slam of a door we instantly like either we stand Lynch. still or like you know um like try to find a place to hide or like do anything that is becoming part of our normal mm -hmm. lives uh, and normalization yeah and it shouldn't be that case I mean I think we in the West here, I mean, we're very lucky uh, here in the UK to have a quite a stable environment in that sense. And I can only, I, I can't really even imagine that, uh, you know, that your, your timetable, like you were saying earlier on, you know, you have periods where you have 
energy, you have power, and then you have to timetable that. And then maybe even then, you know, those uh, you have power outages when you're not expecting. So I was just, as you were saying, as, as you were speaking, wondering, you know, what happens if you actually have, say, for instance, children who need, um, you know, who have chronic illnesses and are at home who need medical devices which are electrically powered? How do they survive? Yeah. yeah so it's it's, it's and, just a very bad situation. And uh, also to uh, give an example, um, through our works, we we work a lot on the issue of water. And mm -hmm. what we are seeing is that due to the um, water salinity and also like the high concentration of like nitrate in the water, we are seeing more people are experiencing kidney failure. Wow. And like for people experiencing kidney failure, you have to have the medical facilities in mm -hmm. order with a constant uh, um, electricity uh, uh, supply so that they can get treated. And like... Mm -hmm the amount of demand on these facilities is becoming more and more huge and and like you wouldn't think that this is part of the occupation or due to the blockade but like when you really analyze the root causes you will understand that's very related to the water the chemicals that exist in the water the salinity and the pollution that exists in the water and how it affects peoples and that's the diseases that we only know about, um, mm -hmm. uh, we have witnessed, and, uh, and Hala is, a, um, 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 she has experience in the medical fields. We have witnessed an increase in cancer patients uh, after every aggression. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, I can only uh, imagine because, you know, it's, it's obvious to make the inference that because, you know, you've, you've had 15 years of the blockade and, you know, the, the internal infrastructure of Gaza in terms of transport, in terms of you know your your health infra infrastructure must be just decimated now. And uh, regarding the the cancer patients, the issue is not mm -hmm. that people are having cancer at a very high rate, but also that they are not able to have their treatments on time. Mm -hmm. uh, like the drugs are only allowed to enter Gaza, but on uh, incremental level, so uh, uh, patients wouldn't have their regular uh, uh, prescriptions on time because the Israeli occupation very oftenly stop the, the supply of them and also the chemical treatment and uh, radiation which they need to have it uh, other um, outside Gaza that uh, we don't have um, any radiation treatment in Gaza um, makes people suffer more and more for years and even die because they don't have the permission from Israel to access and have the treatment mm -hmm. and this happens like very easily in a very uh, high number of patients. Mm -hmm. So, Hala, do you, I mean, do you think that, uh, you know, world leaders as such uh, see the injustice in Gaza uh, the same way as they see in, you know, see other atrocities? So say, for instance, um, you know, the, the response to the uh, Ukraine-Russian war yeah. versus to what's happening to Gaza. I mean, do you think it's, it's a level playing field when uh, this, is, this, this is the case? Um. Actually, um, excuse me with my language, um, I would say it's not. Mm -hmm. um, it's very clear that um, the Palestinians are, um, uh, are seeing themselves uh, having the same struggle as the Ukrainian with their mm -hmm. uh, occupation. However, the international community is putting their eyes blind uh, against the Palestinian cause, but not the Ukrainian cause. And that's a very big issue. We have seen the international community, the UK and so many other countries are dealing with 
new tools of the right of self-defense and the right mm -hmm. of uh, self-determination, opening borders and everything mm -hmm. else that we've never seen happening to Palestinians. Although the, the issue that we Palestinians are facing is uh, mainly due to the UK and the UK mandate and the Balfour Declaration from the Foreign Ministry that actually started the colonization and occupation of the Palestinian land. So it's just a choice. And uh, I think it's um, it's also discrimination mm -hmm. because it's the same tool, the same issue, but they're choosing to, in a way, yes. respond to those, but not to those. And mm -hmm. why? I think the media have said that before, civilized and uncivilized uh, communities to some people. So, um, you know, in your opinion, they're basically being hypocrites. Yeah, you, you, can, you can answer to that, Hala. <laughs> okay. It's your opinion. Uh, in a way, it. yeah. Um, mm. In politics, people could be uh, in that position, but uh, in justice and calling for justice and human rights and international human law, they couldn't be. And that's mm -hmm. a clear discrimination against some people while mm. they're facing other, uh, dealing with other people with, uh, with no impunity. But they're dealing mm -hmm. with Israel with complete impunity for more mm -hmm. than 70 years now. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, Asma, you know, as you're based actually in Gaza, you know, how do the people of Palestine feel about the way that the world perceives them uh, and you know reacts to their situation? I mean, you know, just like uh, Hala was just saying there, that, that you know, there seems to be, I suppose, outside of Palestine. Um, double standards really is that how palestinians feel i think um yes uh palestinians do feel and experience on a daily basis the dual treatment that the world uh particularly the western world is treating palestine and palestinians and um and we see it uh, in everything we see it how um only in times of active bombardment um, and active airstrikes that the Palestinian cause and like Gaza is put on the news and then it's mm -hmm. forgotten like uh, constantly after that as if uh, we only matters if the our blood and images are becoming very violent that mm -hmm. um, social media has to censor it um, only then uh, it's put on uh, on the spotlight but then the daily realities the slow death that we are experiencing it doesn't matter um because we are dying anyway like we are dying either by a, an a f36 um hitting us and killing us in a very brutal way or the slow death that the blockade is putting us uh, through and even in the west bank the israeli settlement illegal settlement is putting us through so so our our conditions are not improving uh in the case, in the absence of uh, acute aggression but what we are seeing is that we are really left behind um, in so many spaces. Um, but that's not only the issue of Palestine, like we see it with Yemen and we see it with many of like countries who are considered um, as Hellas, as the media describe us as uncivilized. And mm -hmm. it sends us a message that our lives is not valued unless we are coming from certain countries certain coming, skin color yeah skin colors and like certain religions um mm -hmm. then that's why we we matter um and when uh, we will matter to be honest um in the past in the last uh, aggression uh, in may 2021 um 
it was the first time that we felt that we are united as Palestinians because the struggle was something that's happening everywhere in Palestine. And we have seen like a huge solidarity movement during out that time. But we've also seen how um, instant the punishment for anyone who is speaking about Palestine. And we are seeing more and more the case of censoring for Palestinian voices on social media. Um, even the platforms that is given for Palestinian voices is very limited and it has to fit the mainstream narrative. So the least we can do, like we are not physically able to leave for our voices to leave, even mm -hmm. that space is under siege uh, for us. So even you know free speech now within Palestine is being censored by you know the authorities hmm. um, within Palestine, but also on uh, global platforms because mm -hmm. it's important to note that anyone who speaks about Palestine, anyone who um, whether they are academics or people who are like you know social media influencers or bloggers or like uh, scholars, they are met with so much punishment as we mm -hmm. are seeing um, with the rise of like so much conservative parties. Mm. And I think uh, even in uh, Western media, when you uh, or any media sources that refer to Palestine or maybe refer to Israel uh, in any way, shape or form, uh, not even in a negative way, but actually uh, start a narrative regarding um, I, I, I don't like using the word conflict because conflict would mean that it's an equal struggle, but it isn't really. Um, but the situation in Israel uh, regarding Palestine are then deemed to be anti-Semitic. So that is, you know, I think uh, where, you know, there is an injustice in media as well. Um, now, you both have worked hard and achieved, you know, your equal, your successes uh, in your respective fields. Now, Hala has been working on her PhD and Asma as uh, an Oxfam justice advisor. You know, do you think this actually showcases the strength, you know, the, the will of the Palestinian people uh, that, you know, despite, you know, all, um, you know, the, the hurdles that you, you kind of like have to face, not just on a daily basis, but over this 15 year period, especially if you've been in Gaza, um, you know, that you, there's this thing about Palestinian will that you won't give up. You know, because, whenever, I mean, yeah. To, when, to put it in another way, Asma, sorry, to put it in another way, it's like, you know, some people might give up, right? If they see, you know, that this is the, 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 the environment that I live in, you know, this is the lack of opportunities um, is quite, you know, uh, understandable. You know, human nature would say, look, you know, we, we're fighting a losing war. You might as well give up. I mean, why is the Palestinian will or... Um, yeah, their willpower, such an indomitable force. Um, uh, so I think, first of all, to give up is not an option to us. It's mm -hmm. like we will be like zombies um, if we lost the only thing that we have a little bit of control over um, mm -hmm. when everything is taken uh, away from us. But like, it's very ironic um, how people really romanticize the Palestinian resist resilience. Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, whenever someone asks me, how are you? I say a word that we have in, in, in Arabic is Dahla, 
which is like you if you ask any Palestinian, they will tell you the same word. And Dahra, it's basically imagine a, a, like a barrel going down a, like a, a mountain and that mm-hmm. barrel is hitting a tree and a rock. Now, it's it continued to go down, but at what state it would reach in the end? And this is mm-hmm. how we are. Yes, we are not giving up, but at what cost? Um, mm-hmm. What costs are we paying, and um, to what extent are we staying um, as we wish to be? Like we, every one of us, wish to be a very productive member of the community who provide and who contribute. But what we are going through uh, is leaving us mentally, psychologically, and physically unable to have the life that we wish for. To think twice before like getting married or having children mm. in an environment like Gaza. So yes, we have no choice but to continue and like to continue and like try to make a life out of what we are uh, doing. But we are not living. Um, and this is something people need to understand. We are alive, but we are not living. Mm. Hello. Yeah. Um, there's something very important that people need to understand that um, in Palestine, we don't have the legacy of giving up because since more than 70 years, the occupation and colonization started and all the massacres started. Then the issue of refugees were more than 80% of the Palestinian population now are now refugees. And uh, it doesn't stop with that. Illegal settlements are um, expanding. Aggressions on Gaza are happening. And so many Palestinians have are and have been killed. and. We lost so many houses, uh, we lost our memories, we lost uh, years of education or months of education. So it's, you, we, we sometimes give up, we just sit and say, that's it. But then you would have another aggression. You wouldn't have the chance to, to breathe and say, I need to give up. You don't have that legacy. That's why we keep on working hard, trying to, you know, achieve something. Because every day you have something new that, I don't know, uh, punish you or, Mm, attack you in your face or you have that kind of bombardment uh, in your face so we as palestinians as she said we're not living uh i I would say we have faced so many aggressions and atrocities that none of us could be mentally healthy anymore so you're almost like psychologically you're numb to these actual physical aggressions and it's just a case of like you're surviving Yes, and there's uh, that thing in, 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 you know, in psychology and in health, which is called um, post-traumatic disorder. Yeah. We Palestinians don't have that because we don't have the post. We have that kind of continuous yes, cycle Ultimate. of acute and chronic, acute and chronic episodes mm-hmm. of uh, trauma. So we don't even fit with this criteria. Um, why we're, we're still flourishing? Because we don't have any option. We need to work hard unless someone came and um, assassinated us, which happened to so many Palestinians and will continue to happen unless the UK government and so many other international governments have stood to their, uh, you know, they recognize the occupation as illegal. They they recognize the blockade as illegal, but -hmm. they're just standing still doing nothing. So until they do something, nothing would change for us. Mm, well said. Yeah, I, I think I totally agree with you, ladies, that, you know, although to recognize the aggression is one thing, but to sit on your hands and do nothing about it makes yeah. you, uh, whether a, an individual or a government, culpable in that act as well. Um, I'm just going to, you know, thank you very much for joining me here.
today uh, and having this interview with uh, Drive Time Show and actually just showing. Um, and I think it's something that you said, Asma, right? It's the, we don't want to romanticize uh, the lives we have, the life of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, but actually the brutal reality of it is that it is survival and you just are just surviving. And when, when you were talking about this, the, this idea when you said zombie, you know, the, being the walking dead, but you're not really dead, but, you know, inshallah, you know, there is that hope of a, of a better day. But thank you once again for joining me uh, and letting, letting us interview you. Thank you so much for thank having us. Thank, Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Have a good day. Peace. So this was a interview with Talibman in uh, with Asma Abu Mazid, uh, Oxford Women's Economic Justice Advisor, based in Gaza, working address issued of gender uh, development and climate change in Palestinian economic sectors, and Hala Shoman, who herself has experienced the Gaza blockade and had a master's degree from Durham University and currently studying for a PhD. Very emotional and very interesting um, conversation indeed. Um, and, and, and we've seen that how justice is needed in this world and without justice, you know, there can't be any peace, of course. Um, now, leadership plays a big role when it comes to justice. When we don't have a proper leader will see that a lot of injustices will happen now in the holy quran in chapter 49 verse 10 allah almighty states and instructs the believers that to justly to act justly and verily allah loves the just and this is for every human being looking at the world today we can see that many of the issues today stem from the fact that world leaders do not act with justice Instead, they allow their desire for wealth and power to blind them in the needs and injustice their peoples face. Now, sadly, even the leaders of Muslim countries have forgotten the teachings of their religions. How can non-Muslim countries open their boundaries for Muslims while Muslim countries bordering those war-torn countries like Syria deny them access to their own brothers? How can certain Gulf states make business deals and partners themselves with countries that oppress their fellow Muslim brothers? The root cause of the unrest in the world today is due to a lack of justice found at every level of society. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, warned us and he said that people beware of injustice for injustice shall be darkness on the day of judgment. Just last week, um, you know that President Biden visited Israel, and so there, uh, uh, and uh, he he also visited Saudi Arabia, and both who are guilty of huge human rights abuses. Whilst in Saudi Arabia, during a summit with Gulf state leaders in Saudi, um, and 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 with uh, President Joe Biden. They stressed that human rights as an American value should be respected by Gulf leaders. But once in Israel, he failed to mention Israeli violations and aggressions against Palestinians and other countries in the region, and instead focusing on speaking about the need to advance Israel's integration into the region and working towards 
a two-state solution, which remains, in his view, the best way to ensure the future of equal measure of freedom, prosperity and democracy for Israelis and, and Palestinians alike. Many Palestinians feel this, uh, this is injustice on their part when just a few miles away Israel, Israeli occupation forces confiscated large swaths of Palestinian lands. And this is you know, the, such a hypocrisy that you see in world leaders that when it comes to their own benefit or own people, you know, they will do everything to, um, uh, to apply justice. When it comes to others who they do not really care, they will stay silent and silently they will you know, kill thousands and millions of people, unfortunately. Now, we have a audio clip for you to listen. Um, this is a keynote address delivered by Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper. Uh, this was delivered at the Parliament Hill in Ottawa, Canada. Let's listen to this. Rather than exploitation and greed, the developed nations ought to have championed the rights of the weaker nations and sought their advancement. They ought to have sincerely helped the people of those poor nations stand upon their own two feet with dignity and honor. Yet, most regrettably, this has simply not happened. In chapter 20, 20 verse 132 of the Holy Quran, it instructs that no one should cast covetous eyes upon the wealth or resources of others. If the entire world acted upon this one principle, then the world's financial system would be fair and just. Capital would be distributed equitably and nations would reap the rewards of their God-given wealth. We would see that the world's trading would be underpinned by a desire to fulfill the human rights of others rather than to greedily acquire power and wealth and to fulfill personal interest at all costs. Another example of the world's injustice is reflected in the world's politics. In some countries, there are dictatorships or unjust governments, yet the major powers turn a blind eye to their cruelties because those governments happen to support them and facilitate the procurement of their interests. Yet, in countries where the leaders or governments do not bend to the whim of the major powers, they are quite happy to support rebel elements or to even demand regime change. In truth, there is no difference in the way the respective governments are treating their own people. The material difference is only that in some cases the governments cooperate with the major powers, whilst in others they do not. In terms of the latter category, Western military policies have been devised to remove those governments as in Iraq and Libya. And similarly, such attempts have been made in Syria over the past 
few years. Time has proved Canada's decision not to take part in the Iraq war as the right one. And I also agree with your government's decision to halt its air strikes in Syria until the circumstances of that particular conflict and the means to resolve it, uh, resolve it become much clearer. At a broader level, the United Nations must also play its role in establishing peace in the world. Unencumbered by politics, injustice, or favoritism. I hope and pray that Allah the Almighty enables the United Nations and the world's governments to act in this way so that true and long lasting peace may be established. The alternative does not bear thinking about because if we continue as we are, then the world is charging madly towards a huge catastrophe in the shape of another world war. May Allah grant wisdom to the world's leaders and policymakers so that the world we leave, uh, we leave behind for our children and future generation is a world of peace and prosperity and not the crippled economy and malformed children. So you were just listening to a keynote address delivered by Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, at the Parliament Hill in Ottawa, Canada. Um, now, we were discussing about um, what the leadership and justice actually means and what the Holy Quran says and what actually the leaders are doing in order to, um, you know, adopt justice. Now, certainly we see that leaders, including the Muslim leaders nowadays, are not um, following the the rule of justice, or they're not creating justice, and it is very unfortunate. Now, what is the solution? Now, what is uh, what does Islam say, and what is the Islamic view on, on war, and how should you treat others when it comes to, you know, uh, when you're in a war? The head of the Ahmadi Muslim community states that success is only attainable if they play their role by campaigning against wrongdoing and oppression. Therefore, those who belong to the superpowers as well as the government leaders need to establish their strategies and policies on justice. There is no doubt that a worldly person does not possess spiritual sight and therefore only sees things from a worldly perspective. The apparent effort being made for establishing peace are in fact becoming a cause for the disorder. Therefore, the superpowers should not take pride in their power. If you seek to establish peace, then the worldly powers will have to change their attitude or otherwise the world will become enveloped in violence and wars with, ever, uh, with even greater severity. Now, the Holy Quran says that, and this is in chapter 5, verse 33, that whoever killed a person, it shall be as if he had killed all of mankind, and whoso gave life to one, it shall be as if he had given life to all mankind. What does this mean? The, the, the meaning of this is 
that the creation of God Almighty as a whole um, is is uh, is is totally created by God Almighty and with His will. When you kill one person, it's as if you're killing the whole mankind because you're going against God's creation. Now the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he once stated that when Muslims enter enemy territory in the situation of war, they should not strike terror in the hearts of the general population. There should be no ill treatment of common folk. The possibility of peace should always and always be uh, kept in mind. Now, um, the solution for injustice against the poor, because you know we discussed this earlier as well, that injustices happen, and mainly the poor and the weak are affected, and those who are powerful or who are um, you know who have the means to travel or or go to a safer place they can do it on time and they, they 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 do it but what happens to the poor people what happens to the weak people now the whole, the head of the ahmadiyya muslim community states in regarding to this that the reality is however that the world is in 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 disorder because it has forgotten god almighty this disorder is either because of the misuse of god almighty's teachings and using the name of god as a pretext pretext for one's own benefit, or it is due to the denial of God's existence altogether. In fact, they mock God's existence and cross all limits of decency. This is what you know, His Holiness has said, that this is because they have forgotten the existence that God exists. And when that happens, they cross all the limits Hazrat Abu Huraira, a companion of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has stated uh, f- that peace, and, and this is from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, of course, that there is a sadaqah, and sadaqah is an Arabic word which is um, used as, as charity. And he says that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, says that there is a sadaqah to be given for every joint of the human body. And for every day on which the sun rises, there is a reward for a sadaqah, for a charity, for the one who establishes justice among people. Now from this we learn, you know, once again, that Islam teaches us to be fair and justice. If we were all to follow these teachings, we would have peace in the world. But we, of course, and unfortunately, we do not follow this. Now the members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community strive to achieve this in every possible way. We look at the children in the community. They are taught from a young age to help and support the society by taking involuntary activities. We have, you know, we have a wakarimal where we um, clean the streets, not just in front of our own houses or the mosque, but we, we try to clean the entire street so we can, you know, help out others as well. We also ask our neighbors what we, uh, they need and if there is any need then we support them as well we also visit old houses and 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 many charities and we support them as well we also have humanity first which is an international aid agency which works hard in the various projects to provide aid to those around the world who need it most 
they responded to over 130 disaster events in 63 countries across six continents and further assisted over one million people who were victims of disaster events. Apart from this, the community is consistent in homeless feeding, you know, uh, providing food, clothing, donations to the poor and adopt a highway cleanups. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community has also spread the word the world of Islam, word of Islam in many poor uh, African countries. And we have also built several hospitals in places uh, like Pakistan, Sierra Leone, Guatemala, and so many other countries as well. The main aim of these hospitals is not to make money, but to help those in poverty to receive the same health care we do. Now, to conclude... We must all learn to speak up against the injustices and which is happening in the world. And as stated by Archbishop um, Desmond Tutu, he stated that if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has its foot on the tail of a mouse and you say that you are neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. So therefore, you, you, know, you must learn to feel the pain and sufferings of others as our own. Only then can we attain peace in the world. Only in, when you look at the prophets as well. Whenever the prophets have come, they always felt the pain of others. Contrary to the pop popular belief, Islam is the religion of peace. And the Holy Quran says, and the true servant of the gracious God are those who walk on the earth humbly. Islam teaches us to be fair and just. If you follow the teachings of Islam, there will be no injustice in the world. Let's finish our uh, first hour show um, with a segment and a key address delivered by Hazrat Mizam Masur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper. People living in the world's poorest nations do not concern themselves with the environment or the latest triggers on carbon emissions. Rather, they wake up each day wondering if they will be able to feed their children. Their economic plight is truly desperate and their poverty levels are far beyond our comprehension. For example, there are numerous countries where the majority of citizens do not have access to clean drinking water and are forced to survive by using dirty pond water to, full, uh, to fulfill their basic needs. Even that too is not easily available. Rather, women and children have to travel each day for miles and end to collect water for their families which they carry home in big vessels balanced on their heads. We must not consider such hardship as other people's problems. Instead, we must realize that the result of such poverty has severe implications for the wider world and directly affect global peace and security. The, fa the fact that Children have no option but to spend their days collecting water for their families means 
that they are unable to go to school or to attain any form of education. They are stuck in a vicious cycle of illiteracy and poverty that is seemingly endless and hugely damaging to society. Today, their poverty and hardship is compounded by modern technology, through which even people living in war-torn or deprived parts of the world are able to see the comfort with which people in developed countries are living and the opportunities that exist for them. Witnessing the great disparity in their circumstances compared to others is cultivating further agitation amongst the local people and these frustrations are being preyed upon by extremists. of Islam Radio, a new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, peace be upon you and welcome back to the Drive Time Show at Voice of Islam UK. As you know, uh, those who were following and um, joined us uh, in the previous hour, we were discussing about a very important topic indeed, which was on justice. And without justice, we cannot create peace. We listened to one of our conversations that we had earlier with Talib Man and Asma Abu Mazid, and also two very um, important um, and, and interesting audios of His Holiness we spoke in in regards to um, establishing justice in the world. In this hour, we will be discussing about a different topic, more to do with our health. Um, of course, health is something that keeps us going. Of course, if we do not have a, um, if we do not not take care of our health, um, we will see that we will have a lot of struggles in the world and a lot of diseases that happens because of a poor health or a poor diet so for this hour we will be discussing about um, our diet for summer ready why some of the diets that we do might not be working now with summer in full swing many are going to be thinking about their diets 
To lose weight, we need to burn fat as well as burn more calories than we consume. So in order to lose weight, we need to um, burn more fat, burn more calories that we actually eat. So therefore, you need to, of course, um, you know, count your calories. If you do not count your calories, if you do not know how much you're eating or how many calories you're intaking, then of course it will be difficult for you to do that. So a fitness regime and a healthy diet regime help us achieve desired goals, but exercising in the right climatic condition can aid faster weight loss. Summer is considered to be the best season for weight loss. And the reason behind that is because naturally um, our body uh, shreds some sort of uh, fat during the summertime because we don't need that um, uh, th- that excess fat and that excess fat comes back in winter so that we can fight the, 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 the cold weather. Now, even though summer is considered to be the best season for weight loss, in today's show, we are going to be discussing the importance of going on the right diet and the risks of dieting. So, uh, of course, Dieting overall is something which is uh, very, very important. And But uh, sometimes the, the, the sort of dieting that some people might do in a very short time and uh, could be very, very uh, dangerous, of course. Now, hadith um, states, uh, a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, um, he has stated that a man does not fill any vessel worse than his stomach. It is sufficient for the son of Adam to eat enough to keep him alive. But if he must do that, then one third of, uh, for his food, one third for his drink and one third for his air. So this means that um, whenever we eat, we should at least keep one third for air one-third for food and we should not eat more than one-third so that we can at least breathe and and it's easier for us to uh, do the daily um, tasks of course um, this this uh, hadith or this um, saying of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings upon him is promoting to eat healthier and in, uh, rather than eating or overeating um, which which can lead us to obesity and then eventually we need to have uh, follow a strict diet to uh, because of obesity or because of you know overeating or eating something in excess a lot of um, risk come with that um, uh, for example diabetes and and other stuff of course and, and eventually the doctor would tell us that you know we cannot eat this or that so in order to avoid that the best is to eat um, uh, less um, or eat just the amount that you actually need. Now, if you want to get in uh, in touch with us, and um, yeah, th- then you can, of course, call us at 020-8687-7878 and also visit our website, voiceofislam.co.uk or tweet us um, at voiceofislam.uk. Uh, uh, with me, um, I have uh, Imam um, Raza Ahmed, who has been he has joined with the, uh, with me, and uh, we will be discussing about this very interesting topic. Indeed, um, what do you think, uh, uh, Imam Raza? What is uh, what what are your thoughts on dieting in uh, during um, 
during the summertime. And <laughs> Is, isn't that something that we do automatically? I mean, I think uh, during winter, is it when when <laughs> when you should be dieting? <laughs> but during the summer, I think you naturally eat a bit less because of the heat and because you're out and about all the time. It's more about, I think, hydration, um, staying, uh, staying uh, hydrated. Mm. Um, and especially on t- today. Yeah, I've I've been drinking a lot of yeah, water. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last thing we want to do is have like a barbecue right now. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, I think um, as you mentioned the 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 narration of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Everything and done in moderation. That's something that we should probably keep in mind. And I think mm. when it comes to diet or nutrition, you, you're probably a better candidate to talk about that than me. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I mean we've got experts speaking about this, sure. and we'll be uh, listening to their. Uh, you know, we've got very interesting uh, questions uh, that we will be discussing to them, of course. Um, but yeah, um, diet is something which is important, of course, um, and, and and for everyone, not speci- specifically um, uh, during a specific season, but. Yeah. Um, but we should keep our diet in mind uh, throughout the whole year, actually. And I think that the, what we're talking about today is why diets might not be working. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to take a look at some of the stats and some of the reasons behind that. And of course, as you mentioned, ask the, the you know our guests that we have invited for today. Um. So um, yeah, uh, like you said, um, some stats. Um, if you look at the uh, the UK, um, with over half of us in the UK nowadays being classed as overweight or ob- obese, uh, it's not surprising that so many of us turn to a whole host of solutions to shed those upwinding pounds. Whether it's weight loss groups, fad diets. Uh, so basically, fad diets is a, a sort of diet that um, is done uh, for a short. A period of time when when you focus on you know losing a lot of weight, uh, doing some sort of extreme diet. Uh, also, medication has been used, surgeries ha- has been used, uh, or just a good old exercise and a healthy, balanced diet. Uh, losing weight is something that can be extremely difficult for many people, mm. um, and not everyone. Uh, everything will work for everyone, of course, because everyone has you know, yeah. different body types and different mindsets. Mindsets. I think that's that's where it starts. If you, <laughs> how many of us have said, "You are first of January. This is it. I'm I'm gonna get ready for summer." Yeah. And then six months later, you're you're still. Thirty first of December from last year. <laughs> Pharmacy Direct GB published a report uh, last year in December in which they said that over seventy percent of UK adults are uncomfortable with their weight. Now, if you look at specific uh, age groups, the sixteen to twenty four year olds, they're the least insecure about their weight. Sixteen to twenty four. That's like the prime of your teenage years going into. Uh, adulthood, mm. um, and I think th- that's that's something I was talking about with someone just the other day. We saw these um, these these kids uh, at a bus stop, and uh, I, I started to talk with my friend, and we we started to guess the age, and it was so difficult to guess <laughs> the age of those kids. Um, well, they look like kids to me, but from from their from their appearance and from their 
the clothes that they were wearing, clearly they were working. So it was like uh, construction boots and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. So it couldn't have been 16 or 15-year-olds. Yeah. But it w- again, very, very bad with this now. 20, 21, 22. Tw- yeah. But what surprised me was that thinking back and again I am no one to talk <laughs> no, no shit whatsoever mm. but the fact that you have fast food available on every corner that it, it's not just available it's also affordable yeah and it's just everywhere yeah in 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 you know if you go back let's say 10 15 to 20 years things were not that easy mm. If you had, let's say, one fast food fast food restaurant in 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 a, in a village or in a town, then it was very rare mm. that you had it. Nowadays, it's literally anywhere you walk, you'll see. You'll, you'll see. see the, I mean, the if I'm thinking about the Batavtu Mosque complex, I if I think about it, any direction that I walk towards, yeah. any direction you can think of. Within walking distance, within five to ten minutes, yeah, you will find at least two to three fast food joints. Uh, Any yeah. direction you can think of. That's true. So if you walk down that way, that way, there might be a drive, but still, it's five minutes mm. uh, on a car, and 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 same with this way. So it's affordable. And then I think I remember we had a few shows as well on this when it comes to obesity and and and. And these fizzy drinks, mm. how they are placed strategically sometimes near schools mm. where kids don't have an option. I mean, if you had, I don't know if that's still the case nowadays, that, that you could get chicken and chips, uh, one portion for 250 or even three pounds. Again, affordable, yeah. easy, quick, and you just eat it on the go. Yeah. That is very alarming. Very very alarming. Yeah, indeed. I mean, th- and you can tell by the by the by the shape of our kids. Yeah. When we say that over seventy percent of adults are uncomfortable with their weights. Yeah. You might think of some uncles. You might think of you know elderly gentlemen and ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. But when it comes to the numbers, sixteen to twenty four years old. Yeah. They're like in the prime of their life. I they mean, you can't, yeah. <laughs> I mean. He, when you should be running around. There should yeah. not be a single body, f- like a um, uh, piece of fat on your on your on your yeah. body. Because you're running around. You're running you're around. Running you're running active. Around. You're working. Yeah. You're you're doing this and that. But yeah. again, we're not we're not generalizing things here. Mm. Uh, again, uh, this is uh, uh, not to not to offend anyone. Yeah. That this is how it should be. There's no, of course, ideal mm. uh, look that anybody should have, but. It's it's not healthy. This is that's yeah. that's the underlying point. It's not healthy and and it's accessible everywhere. Literally, like you said, when you when you for example walk into a shop, mm. the first thing you'll see is you know chocolates on on the left or mm. uh, the fizzy drinks in, and nowadays you see in in the fridge, right? Yeah. So yeah. you want to grab that because yeah. it's cold. And uh, th- and the easiest way you just grab and you've got an offer as well with yeah. the crisp with it and all that. So it's, deal. yeah, unless your parents they make a, a proper, delicious, healthy meal for you. So you. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something to think. Still of. grab that coke for after. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So yeah, um, if you look at the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, he has said that you should eat slowly. Eating slowly is recommended for health. Slow eating reduces the consumption of food as it pos- postpones much of the meal uh, to a time when the absorption of nutrients begin to produce psychological signals of satisfaction. Mm. Um yeah, I mean, again, I mean, nowadays youngsters, I don't think they uh, they take their time and they enjoy. The it's not even youngsters; it's everyone, everyone the, especially if you live in London. Yeah, you go to I think if you go to central London during lunch hour. Yeah, it's you. Rare, rarely you'll find people sitting down and just thoroughly enjoying their lunch. Yeah, because everybody's on a clock. Everybody needs to run, run, run. So some some of them, they will have a walking lunch. Some of them will have a takeaway lunch and just eat whenever they get the chance. But that's what it is. To 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 eat at the, the, at the right times, hmm. with the right time, yep. I think that's something that our society is maybe slowly, slowly moving away from. That's if you true. keep going on with the numbers and with the stats, nearly twice as many women than men they feel uncomfortable with their weight and mm. the NHS that so that's where the problem begins the NHS they spent over seven and a half million pounds prescribing weight loss medication just last year in 2021 seven and a half million pounds uh, worth of medication and then since January last year there have been a total of 1.4 million Google searches for how to lose weight mm. and here we go fast not just how to lose weight, that's what what it used to be, but now it's how to lose weight fast. Yeah. It needs to be instant. It needs mm. to be 30 days. I got 30 days to fit into that dress. I got 30 days to fit into that suit or mm. that tux. And that's the equivalent of three searches per minute. Wow. Per minute, every minute, three people are searching Searching for how to lose weight fast. fast. Well, um, we have an expert... uh, uh, who we will be discussing this more in detail, of course, who is a nutrition scientist uh, from the British Nutrition Foundation, Sarah Koo. Um, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you uh, for being with us here. Um, Sarah, as a nutrition scientist, what is your role? Yes, so um, I'm a nutrition scientist at the British Nutrition Foundation mm-hmm. and we are a nutrition charity that works with um, a number of different experts across the nutrition and food community um, and we give a uh, lot of evidence-based information and education um, to try and help motivate people to have a healthy and uh, sustainable diet. Okay, thank you. Um, so, uh, how uh, have you found that there are specific types and, and, and quantities of foods that uh, people should eat uh, to maintain a healthy diet in, in general? So when we talk in general about a healthy diet, um, for most people, regardless of whether you're trying to lose weight or not, this will mean um, eating the right balance of foods from the different food groups in the right amount. Um, and this is to make sure that we get the right balance of nutrients to stay healthy mm-hmm. um, so this will include things like plenty of fruit and veg um, whole grains and higher fiber starchy foods some good sources of protein and some dairy or dairy alternatives 
um, as well as small amounts of unsaturated fat. Um, we we do know that what pe- most people in the UK is not actually doesn't actually look like this, but um, it's really important to try and aim to have a healthy, yeah. balanced diet because this can um, make a difference to um, our long-term health, but also helps us feel um, at our best on a day to day. So if I can ask you, I mean, my my confusion sometimes or my uh, problem with 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 information and, and finding out where to go is that there's too much of it. If you understand what I mean, if if you start searching up for it, then you will have some experts. I mean, and this is look, this is I'll be honest with you. This is what people do nowadays. This is what I do. Um, social media, YouTube, you want to find out and you want to see for yourself rather than reading lengthy articles. I think that's what, what the tendency is these days. So you'll have 20 different opinions. How can we, how can people get some help in knowing what foods are right for them um, and and the right kind of information? What, what, what would you suggest? It's really important um, to look for sources of information that are evidence-based so um all of the information that the british nutrition foundation produces is um, evidence-based we look at all of the science um to see what it's saying and um the information will be based on um on all of the evidence that we have Hmm. to date um particularly if we're talking about um dieting and diet um, there is a, a lot of confusion out there, like you say, um, and there are a lot of fad diets that claim to be the magic solution yeah. and they'll help you lose weight really quickly. Um, but these often have no really robust scientific evidence to support those claims. So um, really, if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is mm. in terms of uh, these diets. Um, so it's really important to um, make sure that it's it's not really a fad diet and it doesn't recommend um, anything really extreme or foods or entire food groups like carbs um, as these can be really restrictive and have um, negative mm. health consequences so they might le- um, leave you feeling tired and low in energy um, and you might be missing out on certain nutrients like fiber and vitamins um, from cutting out entire food groups yeah. um, from your diet all right, perfect. Now, Sarah, as you mentioned before, uh, that this is how, or usually this is not how uh, a plate uh, here in Britain looks like with all the fruit and the veg and the fiber and and, and whatnot. Why do you think the reason is? I mean, people, we uh, tend, the, the tendency is there, and generally speaking, the knowledge and the awareness is there that you should have all of these um, different or the variety on your plate, especially when you know when we're serving lunch and dinner to our kids. But the the numbers that we've had we have in front of us, the kids are are, are you know the, the the rising number of kids being obese, all of that. What what do you think is the reason for that? Why we we why we uh, consciously don't choose to have these varieties on our plates? I think there's um, it's really it's quite complex um there's a lot of different factors involved mm, sure. um there are some dietary recommendations that most people are quite aware of so things like um the five a day message if you ask most people about that then they they would probably recognize that um but others there might be a few more barriers in place 
Hmm. which are stopping people from doing that now that could be um food preferences or taste preferences it could be things like um budget budget related things um or it could be um yeah a a lower awareness or 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 knowledge of of what the recommendations actually are so there's quite a lot involved um and there's you know quite a few changes to be made Hmm. um so it's, it's complicated what is what do you think on why diets might go wrong for some people and how do you think or what would you recommend how they can avoid that from 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 happening so it, we know that the process of losing weight um, is difficult and it's not easy if you do lose weight it isn't easy to keep that weight off for hmm. a lot of people um, it's completely normal to regain some of that weight um, it doesn't mean that you've failed it just means it just shows that it's a complicated process and there's lots of different th- things involved so as well as um, what we eat if you're um, trying to lose weight you other things can influence how successful you are in doing that so how active you are um, even things like how much sleep you get but also um, things beyond our control like your um, genetics even might mm. be having a having a role in in uh, in weight loss um, but we do know that it's still really worth trying to lose weight um, because there's good evidence that losing weight, if you are overweight or, or obese, can have quite a significant impact on your health. So um, you just need to, to realise that there might be a few ups and downs along the way, mm. but um, it's still really worth trying. Just just um, very briefly, if we, we're talking about overweight and on, o- obese. How do I know if I'm overweight? or obese like is there any kind of measure to 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 see or for people to find out yes so um it's but um your body mass index or bmi which um you may have heard of is is how you um determined whether you are overweight or obese so this Uh is um calculated based on your weight and your height so there'll be different categories depending on what your bmi is um and this will mean, um, so you might be in the overweight category and then there are different uh, categories of um, obesity as well. So that, that's the, the way in which uh, across the population, that's how um, that is measured. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, in what ways do you think people can be educated on how to do diet uh, the right way and the safe way? You know, um, there's so many things that uh, uh, to, to find on online but what is the best way to find the uh, the best way to stay uh, healthy I think like I mentioned about fad diets and there is so many of them out there um, but these will tend to be really uh, quite restrictive um, diets that um, may not um, may put your health at risk from cutting things out and missing out on nutrients and that sort of thing but it's important to think of um, successful and sensible weight loss as um, making small positive changes to your lifestyle as a whole um, but, and also changes that you can stick to for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, not just a quick short-term thing. It should be thought of as a, a longer process. Um, so thinking about the types of foods you eat but also um, the portion sizes of certain foods, so making sure you get those right. Um, increasing your activity levels, things like planning ahead of your meals um, to help you stay on track um, and other things like sleeping well and managing stress 
and also trying not to do all of those things <laughs> maybe at the same time might be a bit overwhelming. Yeah. Wonderful. Sarah, thank you very much for your time. Nutrition scientist uh, at the British Nutrition Foundation. Sarah, call you with us on the line. Thank you so much for your time. Great. Thank you. Take care. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. You've just heard what Sarah had to say. Um, now, one thing before we go to our next guest for today is uh, something that has basically developed and come up and 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 blown out of proportion in in the last couple of years, and that is social media, and it has a huge impact or an effect on how people see uh, dieting, how people see nutrition, etc., etc. So just to give you an idea, in July 2021, The Guardian published uh, an online article about a research that was carried out with people posing as teenagers on Instagram to see how it influences its users to lose weight. Now, Instagram's algorithms, if you know, they're pushing teenage girls who even briefly engage with fitness-related images towards a barrage or a flood of weight loss content according to research which aimed to recreate the experience of being a child on social networks. Now, researchers adopting mystery shopper techniques set up a series of Instagram profiles mirroring real children and they follow the same accounts as the volunteer teenagers. And they then began liking a handful of posts to see how quickly the network's algorithm pushed potentially damaging material into the sites, the the, the explore uh, tab, I believe that's in the middle one, which highlights material that the social network thinks a user might like based on what you clicked and what you saw before. So one account that was set up in the name of a 17-year-old girl liked a single post from a sportswear brand about dieting that appeared in her Instagram explore tab. One single post. And she then followed an account which was suggested to her after it posted a photo of a pre and post weight loss journey the ones you have where you have you know big huge mm. guy and then 30 days later prince charming <laughs> with a six pack and and whatnot mm. so these two actions were enough to radically change the material suggested to the fake teenage girl on instagram mm-hmm. the researchers also found her explore feed suddenly began to feature substantially more content relating to weight loss journeys and tips uh, also exercise and, and body sculpting and, and uh, what not. And the material often featured noticeably slim and in some cases um, noticeably slim and in some cases seemingly you know edited uh, distorted body shapes the too good to be true the mm. you know, Instagram the, the Instagram bodies yeah you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And lastly there they, they these researchers then they also replicated the behavior of not a 17, but a 14-year-old boy, right? Which led to his Instagram Explore tab being flooded with pictures of models, many of which, you know, appear to have heavily edited body types. Mm. And 14-year-old boys, so you know where I'm going with this. It starts off with one thing and then it leads to another, it leads to another, it leads to another, until you end up in a place where a 14 or even a 17-year-old child should not, must, definitely should not be there. Mm. Um, and it's not just about them looking at these in, uh, these images, it's what happens after that. Why do I not look like this? Mm. Why don't I have a body like that? Mm. What is wrong with me? Mm. And 
that's where we need to be very very careful never satisfied of of what they have yeah, of course yeah uh, and and it goes on and on and on and suddenly the, the people who try to be like them and then they yeah. eventually don't become like them some of them they even you know get depressed and also uh, do suicide as well uh, that's ultimately unfortunately where it can lead to yeah can lead to yes our next guest for today is on the line she's a third year student diet Tishin, uh, Zunera Awais is uh, joining us today. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Draft Time Show, Zunera. Thank you for having me on here. I'm very excited for our conversation. Jazakallah for joining us today. Now, being a student dietitian, do you find it difficult to keep up with the information given to you about healthy eating, nutrition, etc.? Does it change a lot? I mean, what was considered to be the pro tip five years ago, nobody even talks about now anymore. Yeah, I mean, the thing is about um, nutrition is that it's seemingly very complicated. Mm. I know before my um, before I actually started university, the whole navigating the nutrition world was so confusing. Um, it didn't help that I was on social media from the age of 14, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Mm. And the article that you mentioned actually did not surprise me because I myself have been a target of the... Um, of Instagram al- mm. algorithm mm. Sort of selling me these um, unattainable body image goals yeah. and things like that. And yeah, it really is overwhelming for a teenager. Um, and also I had to kind of um, deep into what are my food biases. Mm. So I knew before studying I had um, a perception that carbs were just evil and yeah. fat was just there's a lot of people out there who have this perception I'm telling you yeah honestly I, I meet people all the time saying oh I need low fat this low fat that mm. and actually since I've done my course I realized that there are basic principles um, or just basic ideas around nutrition that will never change mm-hmm. you know things like your macronutrients Sorry, and things like macronutrients, like protein, fat, and carbohydrates, those those will never change. They are the fundamentals um, that we need in our diet because that's what our body um, runs off. It has so many functions in our body, all all three of them. And hmm. um, so, yeah, for me, it, it was very overwhelming. But now, since I've done my um, done three years, it's definitely a lot more um, a lot more simplistic than, unfortunately. The media likes yeah. to make it out. How, how, how sorry to, to to ask you, but how long is that course in in total? Mm-hmm. Is yeah, it? so most universities is three years. Okay. Um, I go to the University of Surrey, so it's a four year um, degree. So you're pretty much full fledged dietitian. Good. Uh, I, I got I got years to go. We're seventy five percent. That counts for me as a full one, almost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well. Uh, the, the studying that you're doing already, how how does studying uh, dieti- uh, dietetics help you yourself um, or mm-hmm. even your family in your everyday life in, in terms of keeping fit and, and healthy? Yeah, so for me, it just had a major role in debunking myths, especially the myths that we hear all the time from those in the Asian community. Things like, I, I still hear, oh, we can't have ghee and Oh, you can't have rotis, rice, things like that. So mm. for me, I'm able to filter out the myths and kind of advise others 
um, and kind of given the facts as well, because a lot of people, it's based on hearsay, isn't it? Mm. Maybe you heard your parents saying that ski was bad and then you think that. Um, so a lot of it's just based on gentle education. Mm. Um, and yeah, so for me, debunking the food myth is what um, I think is really key. And especially given a lot of, um, yeah, like social media has played a massive yeah. role. Mm. Uh, things in our heads <laughs> that so, isn't necessarily true Sister Zunera I want to this is interesting because when you say our parents and ghee and uh, th- for me it was always the other way around the, the newer generation the ones that grew up here they have this this um, you know fear or phobia from all, everything fatty anything uh, you know the, 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 the oil in the salin and all that so they want to mm-hmm. stay away from that if when you say debunking all of these things, rice, mm-hmm. roti, all of that is 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 okay, but in how? Like, is it if you stay within moderation? Because when I think back specifically from the subcontinent, our forefathers, right, the ones that used to go to the field, used to work all day long, they had heavy breakfasts, and then they would chug two, three glasses of milk on the side, and then have not just rotis, parathas in the morning and in the mm-hmm. afternoon and in the evening, but we did not hear anything about hay fever or back pain or or, or type 2 diabetes. That stuff was not known to them. Yeah, I mean, um, th- that's a very good point. And uh, at the moment, I feel as though there is just so much health-related content, especially mm. given COVID. So a lot yeah. of people are very health-conscious. So perhaps back then in the subcontinent, type 2 diabetes was, was around, but now it's just so in the back of our minds all the time yeah um so yeah definitely um in terms of our lifestyle it's a lot different um compared to um back then hmm. um but there are obviously conditions that have always been around it's just more awareness now hmm. when looking at today's society and being a student of this generation do you think that it's harder for people to die for the right reasons or do you think they are more likely to be um, pressured, tricked into by by social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the article that you talked about is just a perfect example of how we are being tricked. Um, mm. Things, body trends. Like, I think people just need to realize that our body isn't a trend. You know, yeah. it's always going to stay there. And unfortunately, throughout the years. Every decade seems, seems to have a body trend, whether it be um, the 90s where it was super thin, supermodel body, but then the early 2000s when it was more curvier, you know, mm. that whole Kardashian phase. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's always changing and you shouldn't have to change your body to fit that. Mm. And because a lot of people, unfortunately, will never, as, as much as they want to, they will never fit that naturally anyway. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, just a lot of diet trends, for example, I'm sure you've heard of things like raw vegan and carnival, yeah. even fruititarian, hmm. uh, where they literally just eat fruit. Yeah. Um, so it's just so confusing for, for a young mind, especially. That's so true. Apart from all of these things, what are the things that you most enjoy about studying dietetics? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, it's... Um, a, a lot of it is based on um, helping others with medical conditions um, find alternatives to just medicine. 
So, for example, if someone does have type 2 diabetes, as a dietitian, when we get referred, a patient gets referred to us, we don't just think, um, okay, let's give them a a drug like metformin, which is very common. Hmm. We kind of think of other alternatives. We always take into account their lifestyle as well and their, fi- their finances. Um, so it's, it's very much a holistic approach. Um, and we always make sure to make, make it very realistic for them. So our consultations are always a collaboration. It's never just me saying, okay, cut out bread, eat less sugar for your diabetes. Hmm. It's never going to work because it's not realistic for them. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, uh, the collaboration and the consultations is the most exciting part. And obviously to see um, them really enthusiastic to want to make these lifestyle changes mm-hmm. um, at the end of 30 minutes is, yeah, it's really satisfying. Mm-hmm. And lastly, um, what do you hope for the future for yourself uh, and how you can apply that into helping others? Like you said, that you enjoy helping others, uh, uh, you know, for being yourself a dietetics um, mm-hmm. and, and you know how to help them. And, and when you see the differences as well, you feel the happiness as well in their, you know, mm-hmm. in them and, and you feel the happiness in yourself as well. Yeah, so um, I'm actually on my last few days of my gap year um, mm-hmm. where I work as a um, teaching assistant in a special educational needs school. And that has really driven my passion to want to um, work with um, children and adults with um, conditions like autism and ADHD, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of um, and barriers um, which those learning d- difficulties have with their nutrition. So, for example, those with autism have a lot of food aversions, or they have anxiety trying new foods, and mm-hmm. that obviously will reflect on their overall health. So I would love to become like a school dietitian or like a mental health dietitian in the future and um, to work closely with this um, population. Wonderful. Definitely. So Zunera Wes, third year student dietitian, we thank you very much for your time and wish you all the best for the future. Um, and Jazakula uh, once again for joining us. Yeah, so glad for having me on here. That's only good. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. We are also on Instagram and also on uh, um, Twitter. Now, um, vitamins and mineral deficiencies, uh, they play a range of essential roles in the body and, and deficit, deficits, as we know, can impair the immune function, the bone growth, density, skin and vision health and, and, and so much more. Um, when when we talk about these things, the reason why I've mentioned this is as we spoke to Sister Zunera as well and uh, before her, when we spoke to, to Sarah um, about going on or the wrong kind of diets. As we know, when we, the information that we get, unfortunately, is not always the right kind of information. Yeah. You don't go through lengthy articles, as I mm-hmm. mentioned when we spoke to Sarah, um, but you have these quick videos. So nobody mm-hmm. has time. Well not the right kind of people or yeah. th- those who are serious about things they of course they do their proper research mm. but then you have these physical consequences of dieting sarah was also talking about uh, fatigue that if or, or i think it was an era when when you don't have the right kind of nutrition then of course your body is going to react to that mm. so chronic fatigue without you know adequate food as fuel, mm. uh, we can experience fatigue that affects both our physical as well as 
mental functioning. Mm-hmm. You, when you feel exhausted, you feel lethargic, and you don't really have the 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 energy to concentrate on certain things. Yeah. Simple tasks, you know, writing, writing or reading. Yeah. They will become super super difficult. difficult yeah. You have a different mood, so mm. it affects how we we interact with other people as well. Mm. And if you're eating a certain kind of diet or not the right kind of diet, you might be cranky all the time. You might be tired because you're yeah. tired. You're gonna get cranky, mm. muscle loss, low body temperature. You feel cold all the time. So mm. everything in moderation. I think this is what we say all the time here. Yeah. And any it doesn't have to be just with this with 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 diets or with with nutrition. Anything in life, if you do within or if you stay within moderation, yeah. that's good for you. Any extreme to this side or that side, from religion to diet, it's never good. Hmm. Our next guest for today is on the line, Zakaria. Yes, Nathan Barnes, uh, who's an online physique coach and personal trainer. Hmm. Uh, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Thank you for having me. Hiya. Thank you very much for being with us. Um, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, I'm melting a little bit in my office, <laughs> I'll be honest. Well, I'm, I'm in the office with AC, but I know yeah, that... We're going to keep it I short, Nathan. We're going to keep it short. <laughs> don't rub it in. Don't no, rub keep it in. Short. I'm going to turn my fan off, otherwise I won't be able to hear you properly. So if I pass out, it's because of uh, heat exhaustion. Oh. <laughs> let's, let's, let's hope that's so. <laughs> Nathan, being a personal trainer, do you see the rise in people coming to you for, for, for help more in the summer than in the winter, is that a new thing? And if so, why why would you say this is? Uh, I think there's de- there's definitely seasonal spikes. I think in in personal training or any kind of online coaching and stuff, I, I often get a um, a spike in January, mm-hmm. then you have a new year, new me, and then definitely in summertime. And that's I think it's probably due to holidays. Um, potentially, people are going to be wanting to feel good in themselves on the beach or around the pool. Um, Unfortunately, though, people often kind of leave it too late. And this is where I just caught the end of the, the last interview there, where people will often resort to kind of extreme methods hmm. like diets and, and quick fixes, which, which isn't the best way to go about things from a, from a health perspective. So, you know, results are often temporary um, and it doesn't really nurture a yeah. good relationship with, with food or exercise and obviously the health implications there as well. But there is definitely a spike just before summer. And and normally where people are after kind of quick fix results and yeah. Uh, and yeah should have potentially started to kind of get in shape a lot sooner so yeah so how what do you do with your, with the clients that come to you and say um i i have this much time how do you keep them motivated in completing the programs you give them because of course i mean you do this on a professional basis you've you've tried and tested these programs that you give them and 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 they need to be completed for them to work. Correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong. How do you yeah. like when when somebody says, Nathan, let's go. Firstly, the most important thing is you, you ensure that the client is enjoying the process. Yeah, you know, enjoying their training, enjoying their nutrition, their diet, and um, you know that's what you know. Online coaching is 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 as much about kind of accountability as well as guidance. So. Mm. My method involves kind of weekly check-ins, so I'll show the client their progress like, via the data and via their progress pictures, so the you know the client actively sees that they're making progress, uh, and that's motivated for them, for them in themselves. And uh, but motivation is a funny thing, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 temporary and it, it mm. wanes. You know, anyone can kind of 
smash it when when they're feeling good and they're feeling motivated. It's it's more important, I find, to to help the client to embed a, you know a healthy habit and routine. So mm. you know motivation isn't necessarily relied upon because. You know, if you rely just purely on motivation, it's almost like you're you're doomed to failure because it's bound to kind of wane at certain yeah. times. And uh, you know, how often do you hear people say, you know, they they embark on something and then they stop, and then you ask them why, and they just say, oh, I, I lost motivation. <laughs> so it, you know, it's 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 commitment, yeah. um, you know, to the goal that's important to them that will really yield the progress. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it, that's what will make them. Um, do things that they might not necessarily feel like doing sometimes. So, yeah. as much as it's important to kind of support the client and keep them motivated, um, it's also I think equally as important just to kind of really embed a, like a, a good, healthy habit and routine. So it sure. just becomes normal for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. it kind of takes that need for motivation out, outside the equation, really. Make it part of their life, not something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Wonderful, um, Nathan. Um, a couple of months ago, when I downloaded Instagram, mm-hmm. made that mistake, and I started to look <laughs> for, um, um, I wanted to find out if there's any uh, ch- ch- wings, rec- chicken wings recipes. And right. believe you me, my whole timeline or whatever that is called, it's <laughs> filled with chicken wing recipes now. Or just, <laughs> yeah. and 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 the same thing happens when people look and search for exercises, for diets, for you know. Uh, fitness programs that is th- that that they want to go through. How and 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 what's what's a good way for me to know? How would I know that a certain diet or an exercise program that that I'm on or that I want to do is right for me? How would you go about doing that? The, the best way is to make sure that you enjoy it. Hmm. That really is what it comes down to, because that means you're going to adhere to it and it's gonna be sustainable. Um, there's no real specific type of training program or type of diet, if you like, mm. that, that's, um, that's gonna help you specifically achieve a goal. It's gonna be, you know, um, it's much of a muchness. Now, if you want to get bigger legs, for instance, there's not one exercise necessarily that's better for you to do that than, the, than, than another. It's gonna be the one that you enjoy and the one that suits you, and the one that you're going to be able to adhere to, and and be sustainable in your in your approach to it. So, the most important thing is just to make sure that you enjoy it. You know, I I personally I don't set kind of extreme diets. Like I don't I don't encourage over restriction. It's it's just not necessary. So, you know, the best thing to do is to create a you know a healthy nutritional plan that's tailored around what you like. And uh, all you need to achieve, say, like a fat loss goal, for instance, is a calorie deficit. So as long as the majority of your your, your nutrition is made up of, of healthy whole foods, then you can put in 10, 20% of not so standard um, healthy diet food, if you like. Mm-hmm. And that way, you're going to be more, more likely to adhere to it because you're going to have, I heard before as well, that moderation, that little bit of something that you like and that you know not over restriction just means that you're far more likely to stick to it and far more likely to achieve your goal hmm. and that's the same with exercise as well choose whatever form of exercise that you enjoy doing and it's going to yield the same progress over time so <laughs> don't I, I, I would i would stress to people to keep it to keep it simple and not look for like specifics in terms of oh is there a specific type of diet is there some kind of food that i need to not eat or 
is there a definite kind of cardio that I need to do? Mm. They all do the same thing if they're adhered to and they're and they're um, and they're sustained, basically. If that makes sense. Sure. Wonderful. Mm. And and how, how do you uh, think the social media plays a role in people wanting to look a certain way and and then taking uh, the risk involved with with dieting? Mm. Uh, you know. Every single person is pretty much involved in social media, and the the first thing that, uh, as um, as Brother Reza was saying, that you know there are people who will be looking uh, about dieting, and the only things that that they will be coming up on their Instagram, for example, is diet, diet, mm-hmm. diet. But what is the what is the best way people can get in touch with you? Um, uh, sorry, how do you, how do you think? that the social media plays the role uh, in the people wanting to look that certain way. Unfortunately, yeah, hugely. It does play a huge role nowadays. And unfortunately, it's unrealistic kind of expectations of, of how a physique should look. Um, there's a lot of, I think, unhealthy comparisons with with images that may not even be real, you yeah. know, uh, doctored images, and, and or just completely unattainable for the average person. And this is where education, I think, is important. And this is something that I strive to do with all my clients is mm. through the process of coaching, really educate them on on healthy, sustainable methods of achieving and, and maintaining a physique and, and really kind of being honest with them in regards to, you know, managing their expectations in regards to how they're going to look. And, um, and yeah, and I think just educating people really on nutrition uh, and how you know these quick fix extreme kind of dieting methods and you see a lot of these things like people are putting like fat loss creams on and <laughs> taking fat loss pills and things like that and it, they're just they're just money-making scams or they're dangerous yeah. so um, I think education is is really important with that and, and that's where I think it's it's the professionals responsibility to do that you mm. know because um, there is a lot of a lot of misinformation out there uh, and a lot of dangerous information. So, you know, that's why I think that the professionals really need to kind of pick up the baton and, and spread and spread proper education on it. Really, yeah, wonderful, mm. Nathan. Lastly, there we got I think a few moments left on the program. What's mm. the best way people can uh, get in touch with you with, or if they were thinking about hiring a personal trainer? Uh, pro- just talking about it, probably Instagram, <laughs> where, where I'll be spreading some good information, education. It's, uh, it, you can find me on it's Nathan the Body Sculptor on Instagram. Wonderful, Nathan Fantastic. Barnes. Thank you very much for your time, sir, and we wish you all pleasure. the best. Turn that, turn that fan back on. Turn that fan. I will do right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care. Take care. That's Thank right. you so Cheers. much. Bye now. Bye bye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. That was the drive time show for today. Now, in this part of the program, we talked about how dieting can go wrong in today's day and age, where social media and technology play a big role in society. It is essential that those who wish to diet do it correctly. As you've heard all of our guests say, make yourself educated, go to the right resources, and make sure that you do something which is good for your body. If you like it, as Nathan said, if you're enjoying it that's a good sign that it is the right way to go about doing that his holiness has it um, 
Hazrat Mizat Tahir Ahmed, I'm so sorry. He shared some tips about maintaining a correct weight. He said that have a simple diet. The Holy Prophet used to eat simple food and started that tradition among his companions as well. This practice is in accordance with the Quranic injunction. Eat and drink, but do not be wasteful. So if we keep our food simple and desist from eating too much fatty and spicy food, stop the waste of food in our daily life and adopt the lifestyle that Tahrik Ajid, meaning the spreading the message of Islam, has presented to us, we will be able to maintain a good health. So, good, less, in moderation, and that involves everything. Everything. You will stop wasting food and you will enjoy your life. Definitely, definitely. Make a uh, make it a habit. Make it a uh, enjoy whatever you're doing, yeah. and you know if you if you're doing it right, uh, you'll achieve your goal, uh, God willing. Today's program was researched and produced by Faiza Sayyid Ahmed, Faiza Mirza and Sabiha Tariq. We thank you very much for listening in. Thank you very much to our producers and thank you thank you very much to our tech team in the back as well. We're going to be back with you tomorrow, inshallah. The Wednesday team is going to be here with Dr. Bajwa and Shajil. And until next time, assalamu alaikum.